Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. Nick Bradley here, and today we're going to talk about a topic that I am massively passionate about, and that is leadership and building great teams. Uh, Two things that are very much interrelated and crucial when you're both starting a business and and especially when you're scaling up and have the intention to scale up. And I'm passionate about this topic for so many reasons. Uh, I think it's one of those ones that some people sort of have this concept that leaders are born. And, you know, to some extent, there is that truth that some people uh, find it easier to, to sort of take a leadership role. But my personal view is that everyone is a leader in different ways and you have to have leadership of yourself as much as you have to have leadership of teams and other people. So today I want to get right into that and you know, apologies up front if I rant and I rave, but this is something up there with sort of business and marketing and commercial and selling that I really just really love. And it goes back a bit, you know, I, I've sort of been a bit of a student of leadership for some time and a few years back I um, actually joined an institute in the UK called the Institute of Leadership and Management, um, shortened to ILM, and I sat on their board for about three years for a couple of reasons, really. I wanted to get more into the science of leadership, but I also wanted to give something back to that community. So I literally have spent years and years looking at this, practicing, executing, trying to become as effective a leader as I can be. And ultimately, I believe it's one of the crucial things that you need to think about, consider having your toolkit, particularly if you're trying to create a couple of types of business. Because you know, And I'll go through that um, a little bit more today. So firstly, thanks to everyone who's been listening. If you've got any questions on today's episode or any comments, please reach out to me at any time. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter. It's at Nick C. Bradley or LinkedIn's probably the one that I'm on the most. And you can just search me and you'll see um, scale up your business there. So to kick off today, I want to start with a quote. There's a guy that I think everyone listening to this would have heard of by the name of Warren Buffett. And he's considered, if not the best investor of our lifetime, uh, certainly someone up there who's, you know, one of the most, uh, you know, driven us amazing amount of wealth from um, picking and investing in really, really interesting businesses. And this is his quote. If you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, you'll work until you die. Okay, wow, powerful. Then you'll see why this is relevant later. A second quote, though, that I really like is by Victor Hugo, which is, an extraordinary quality of life is living life on your terms. So why are these, why are these quotes relevant? Well, my view is you can't lead and build a great business without other people. And that's not necessarily the people you employ. It can be the people who mentor you. It can be all sorts of different things. People allow you to create leverage. And leverage is how you scale. It's how you create wealth. It's how you free up time. Now, money is, of course, important. However, you know, having control of your time is the ultimate freedom. 
it's a funny thing, this, because most people that I sort of work with, they, they first come along and talk about growing a great business, a very successful business financially, making lots of money. Now, that's not because they necessarily have thought through what they'll do with that money. Sometimes it comes from a very philanthropic basis. But more often than not, when you probe and you ask why sort of 10 times in a row, yeah, I do that sometimes, um, <laughs> the real why is because they want freedom, they want time freedom, and the ability to do what they want, when they want, with whomever they want. So that's why I think it's quite a, a relevant quote. But both of those are going to set us up for today. So the theme, building great teams, leadership, freeing yourself up from the day-to-day operations of your business is what I want to cover. And we're going to cover that in five areas. So the first one is why you need to build a great team, uh, how you go about it. And I'll talk about that in the context of different stages of business, um, how you lead and manage as you scale. Okay. And that's probably a bit of a leading point because obviously it's a little bit different. And then I'm going to talk about making yourself redundant. And that's redundant from your business, not redundant from your job, because I can Totally appreciate the sensitivities and the differences between those two things. But I'm going to explain why making yourself redundant or not being as necessarily crucial in the day to day is a great thing if you're an entrepreneur. And then the last thing I want to talk about is performance management. And that's performance management of sort of the people in your business, running your business, etc., and the business itself, your business. Okay, so let's kick off. So why do you need to build a great team? And this is, you know, in some cases obvious, but not necessarily something that people kind of realize early on in the journey. Now, the first thing is obviously you can't scale a business by yourself. The only caveat to that is unless you're not really creating a business. So if I just break that down for a second, a business, you know, there's, there's in my view, three types of businesses. There's what we call a lifestyle business. And that's usually when you have sort of around 10, maybe 15 employees, but you're usually the manager. Then you've got a performance business. And that's when, you know, you've got usually up to sort of around 20 to 50 employees. Um, You can be getting into the millions of revenue, but with that many people in your business, it's impossible for you to be able to manage and lead everybody. So you can, in a lifestyle business, you kind of can. Performance, you certainly cannot. You've definitely got to put a bit of structure in. And then the third one is empire, which is you know literally where you can have hundreds of employees. Sometimes this is across multiple businesses. Uh, you have to be the leader in there and you certainly cannot be the manager. So you have to lead maybe a team of managers, but it's a very, very different mindset as much as it is capability. So if they're the three businesses, and I said beforehand, you're not really creating a business, what do I mean? Well, sometimes you can just be a solopreneur, as it's called. And that is, there's two ways around that. You know, you could have a really successful online digital marketing business, affiliate business where you know, you've got a website and you've got, you know, what is termed passive income coming through. And I know a lot of people that I meet are sort of looking for that sort of uh, opportunity as a side hustle. Yeah, that's cool. You know, it's not really a business as such. Yeah, money's coming in. You could call it a business, but it's really sort of lives and dies by you. So that's okay, but there's quite a lot of risk there. So more often than not, um, people kind of, you know, if they're doing that, they've probably got other things going on at the same time. And 
Certainly not to disparage this at all. So my wife, for example, she has a very successful online business, very successful. And that is really her her hobby, her niche. So, you know, it's a business, absolutely, but it's not going to be the same context and sort of have the need for some of the things I'm going to be talking about later today. And the other business that is not really a business that I come into quite a bit is where you've got one person who's doing everything. Um, and the way I sort of evaluate this is if I was going to buy that person's business and that person wasn't going to be there anymore, all I'm really buying is a bit of goodwill around potentially their customers. And again, there's quite a lot of risk around this because usually those types of businesses have you know, a huge um, amount of reliance on that individual. And we'll get into the concept of what that means later on, but that's definitely the definition of someone who is working in the business, not on the business, or sometimes a combination of both, but it's not always easy to scale when you're in that sort of setup. Okay. So the first thing is you've got to decide, you know, really early on, and it comes back to your vision about what sort of business you're going to create. Is it going to be that solopreneur thing? Is it going to be a lifestyle business, a performance business, an empire? And at this point, you know, the first thing I sort of say is you've got to reflect on whether you want to be an owner investor or an owner operator. So what's the difference I hear you say? Well, an owner investor is someone who owns the business but doesn't have to be there because they've set up the right team, the right structure, the right processes for that business to run effectively and they can manage it almost hands, in a hands-off way, but they are certainly involved um, you know, from a strategy and a visionary perspective. And then an owner-operator is someone who is absolutely into the day-to-day. You know, they probably have to turn up every day. They have to manage teams. They probably have reporting lines. They still own the business, but there's a different level of involvement that they need. And it's not to say that one of those two areas or one of those two options is better than the other. It just depends on who you are and what you're trying to create. And also, to some extent, the stage that you are in your business and your entrepreneurial journey. One thing I would say, though, in terms of building a team, if you want to, you know, create a business that's going to have a really strong exit, you know, on your agenda where you can get to, you know, certainly if you create a valuable business, uh, you can get to some significant levels of wealth creation from that, then the quality of your team is absolutely crucial. So have a think about that early on. You know, you might start off saying, hey, it's a lifestyle business, that's all I want. And then, you know, you suddenly get um, a heap more interest and engagement and passion and want, to, and want to go up the levels. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you don't have to call it out early, but just have a think. I always say when, when you're first starting off in a business, you know, you have to start thinking about a great team early on. And uh, that's something which, you know, is, is not something that people always think about because they're thinking about the market and the products and all that sort of stuff. And it reminds me, I was actually at an event uh, literally this last couple of weeks and it was an entrepreneurship event really really cool with a guy called Richard Farley who's um, if you're in the UK he was on Dragon's Den recently he's actually an Australian investor uh, ex-hedge fund guy um, very 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 clever in terms of how he invests and some of those things and what he said he said that um, he personally makes a lot of his investment decisions based on people and the quality of the team and he said that character and rapport and things like that are, you know, really underrated. So 
again, as I said, if you're thinking about uh, an exit on the agenda or something like that in the future, then, you know, remember that quote and think about actually how important, you know, this idea of building a great team as you, as you go forward and you scale. Okay, so let's move on now to how you go about it. And I'm going to go really quite early here because I appreciate that there are people on, you know, sort of different stages of their journey listening to, um, to this podcast. So what's the most important first hire in your business? I'll give you about a five second pause so you can have a think and answer that question for yourself. Okay, how many, how many, um, put your hands up, who said sales, right? Okay, you would not be at all judged for saying that because that makes a lot of sense. But from my perspective, it's not the right answer. So the most important first hire, particularly if it's you and you might have a co-founder or two, is an amazing PA. Someone who can literally leverage your time as effectively as possible and take you so so you're not you know running around just managing your diary and setting up really crucial meetings and and all that sort of stuff you know paying accounts once you start to get some revenue coming and all those sort of things so get someone an office manager a PA and make sure that you're you know looking at sort of really progressive leverage of that individual that's going to give you the freedom to be able to, you know, put more effort into some of what I call the value adding parts of your business. And quite early on, you know, you might be the the sole salesperson. So you want to make sure that you're maximizing your time having conversations that can lead to, to revenue and grow your business. So anything that's more administrative, you need to find someone to do that. And, you know, you don't have to have a full time PA. There are there are many options around that. Um, I have been using a virtual assistant. So a VA, as it's called, and you can find these types of individuals on um, websites like Fiverr, Upwork. I actually um, use someone who's uh, offshore in the Philippines and she's been working with me um, for a few weeks now and it's cost effective. But more importantly, I think it's, you know, I also like the idea that I can actually help people in, in the Philippines where it's not easy to get, you know, reasonably good jobs like this. So actually, you know, it, it just makes things really, really effective for me and what I'm trying to do. So that's not for everybody, but it definitely helps my ability to do more of the things that are important for growing the, the stuff that I want to grow. So that's the first one. The second one is someone really good at marketing. So marketing manager, maybe, you know, doesn't really matter about the title, but you want someone who really understands marketing. And if I was going to focus that, I'd say someone who really understands social media, building pipeline, building funnels, getting a little bit more uh, predictability around how business is coming into you. I'll do a, a much more detailed uh, episode in the future about this, but marketing, as I've said on previous episodes, is more crucial than sales these days. And if you leverage social media and your personal brand really, really well, that can be all the marketing that you need to start to grow and scale your business in the early days. Okay, and the third one, and this is, sometimes you call this an MD, and that's probably a glorified title, but it's, it's kind of like your ops director. It's someone that after you start getting some really good momentum in the business, you want to have someone who's going to, you know, sort of take the operations off your hands. Now, most entrepreneurs I know, and not, not all, certainly the founders and CEOs that I speak to, they are taking the front-facing view of the business and they are sort of responsible for sales and all that sort of stuff. So 
in the context of that, when I'm saying bring in an ops director or an MD, I'm bringing someone, I'm saying bring someone in who takes everything else off your hands. So you are focused on being that front person, so, you know, being the, the visionary, um, selling the story to customers, leveraging all those different opportunities, closing deals. And so having someone who can take the rest of it away from you. So what happens once you've won those deals, all those sort of things is massively powerful. So they're the three that I recommend. Now, I'm more of that sort of sales front guy. So if, if you're not that sort of person in your business, then actually, you know, you might say that bringing a salesperson in at this point is right. And, and I'm certainly an advocate because sales is, is the next layer that I tend to recommend. But it does depend on you and the makeup of the team. But I think the first thing, as I said, get someone who can give you more time. More time is the most crucial um, thing you need at the beginning when you're starting to, you know, build a great team, build a great business. So let's now talk about what happens once you've got that team in place and how you lead and manage the team as you start to scale. So this is the hard bit. And it's not, it's not as easy to say there's a certain number of employees that starts to sort of tip this over. But generally speaking, if you look at any, you know, decent um, thought leaders on this space, you can, you can probably manage 10 to 12 people effectively at an absolute maximum before it just starts to become very, very complex and all you're doing is managing. Even then, I'd say it's probably a little bit high, but that's the general sort of theory behind it. So as you sort of get employee let's say 13 in the business, you know, that's when the chaos can start and things can start to break down. And this is where you have to start your pivot if you're going to build a performance business or empire and, and not stick to lifestyle. And that's why I said beforehand, it comes back to a choice. So there's an old saying about what got you here won't get you there. Um, very, very true. And you've got to start to become very objective and decisive about designing you know the, the the structure of your team the capability for your next phase of growth and this is where you really start to make the transition from manager to leader so i just want to sort of spend a little bit of time talking about those two concepts quickly so manager what is it you know usually it's great at managing the day to day it can be managing teams it can be also managing projects leadership is a is a bit more difficult because leadership is really setting the tone and you know, creating the mission and bringing people along with aligned values. It's more difficult, but it's one of those things that if you get it right early on and you think about it early on, it's probably one of the most powerful concepts. So as I said before, you know, it's not necessarily that you've got leaders that are born and whatever. There are people who find leadership easier, but it, the way to contextualize this is think about yourself first as a leader of yourself before you think about yourself as a leader of other people. And most people do think that leadership means leading others. But if you think about the choices and decisions you make about your own life day to day, that's leadership. The routines, the habits, the disciplines, the standards, they are all leadership. So in that respect, you've got to embrace that. If you don't think that you know how to lead people, certainly embrace the fact that you know, you've known how to lead yourself to even get the business up and running. And there's, you know, the, the thing I always suggest is then go away and study this stuff. You know, go and have a look at some different books. There's a great book by a guy called Kevin Cashman called Authentic Leadership. Uh, you know, you can go and study the great leaders, read any of their autobiographies. There's plenty of, plenty of stuff there. And it'll just give you a context. But 
Uh, the other thing is get a coach. You know, I've had um, coaching on leadership for well over 15 years and it's massively helped. But one of the things I think about is a lot of it comes down to self-awareness, understanding who you are, what makes you tick, being there, being present every day, being authentic for your teams, for the people who, you know, and just, just being who you are. And in some cases, as we spoke about before in previous episodes with mindset, it's just about just you know, ensuring that you're clear what you want to achieve and and therefore what the business is going to achieve. And then you you just put in place different things, which is going to allow the people that join you to be on that same pathway and that same mission. So it's it's really important to just get that distinction. And particularly if you want to become an owner investor one day and really take it to another level, then that leadership piece is going to be the key that does that. So once you've got the core team, the next thing I say is resist the temptation to bring in expensive hires quickly. And this is something that people who are, you know, they've, they've got a business starting to work, they get some funding in, and the first thing they spend their funding in on is a some sort of six-figure sales director. Listen, just don't do it, okay? Um, don't assume you have to automatically hire full-time staff now that you've got a bit of momentum. See, a poor hiring decision, in my opinion, can set you back months. And if you're an early stage business, this is devastating. Absolutely. It's one of the one of the top three things that can kill a business early on because, as I said, chaos complexity, but the wrong senior hire uh, is something you really need to think about. So what do I do? I use you know pretty much high caliber interims and freelancers as often as I possibly can but I make sure the core teams that I build in my businesses, those that are sort of managers or junior managers or people who are actually just coming in and wanting to get stuck in, I employ them. And it's not just because of cost and things like that. There is an element of making sure that I'm managing cash flow and making sure that I've got the the business viable early on. But it's also because I just don't think you need those roles early on. You don't need them as permanent hires until a point in time where it's really, really obvious that that's the case. Okay, and usually that's when you've got a model that's predictable in terms of your commercial performance. You know, you can start to see regular, repeatable um, income coming through and you can build those machines, if you like, the sort of marketing and sales machines without the need of having those very senior strategic highs in the business full time. Definitely need them. I'm not saying you don't need them. You just don't need them in their full time at the very beginning. So that moves me on to hiring and a concept that I get asked a lot is, do you hire for aptitude, which is obviously someone's technical ability to do the role, or do you hire to attitude? Now, my personal view, personal view is you do a bit of both. So I'm not, you know, I'm not hedging. <laughs> I'm not, you know, putting me sort of sitting on the fence. Uh, it does really depend on lots of different things. Absolutely crucially, I do believe this though, you have to have the right people in the team who believe in your mission, yeah? So you have to have someone who's joining you not because it's a job, yeah? That's absolutely critical. There's there's a thing here where, you know, someone who is not necessarily as technically proficient as the next person, they still need to do a job that for you, you know, which, which has some sort of skill set to it you're much better off bringing someone in who buys into where you're going because they're the ones who are going to put in more effort. They're the ones who are going to 
add the most value. You know, passionate people at all levels of your organization are going to challenge you. They're going to throw ideas and you want to have an environment where that's absolutely crucial. So again, as you scale, start to look at both of those things, but don't ever get tempted to choose the superstar who has a poor attitude. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of examples of that and you can sort of see it if you study business like, like I do and read, you know, Forbes and Fortune and some of those sort of magazines, you'll, you'll see examples of this all the time. The cultural fit's not there. Not to say that these people are not good people and they might have been absolutely brilliant in their previous roles, but you've got to make sure they're going to be brilliant in your role, in your business. Yeah, right people in the right seats. So that takes a bit more effort, a bit more time. And, you know, again, if you think about this, um, sometimes as you are scaling, you've got to change the seat. And what does that mean? Well, that means that the people, as I said at the very beginning, the people who, who you know, got you here may not be the ones who are going to get you there. And that's one of the tough choices, if you like, that um, you have to make as you move into that leadership role. And a lot of, again, entrepreneurs don't do it. They sort of either put the person who was the right fit at the beginning into a different seat and that seat's not the right seat. Now, sometimes it is, but quite a lot of times it's not. Or they make the biggest sort of mistake, if you like, in business, in my view, which is it's not the person you hire, it's the person you fail to fire that messes up your business. So again, reflect on that. But I've found, and I'm going to do another podcast on sort of my biggest failures, I suppose, in business since um, in the last 25 years or so. And number one is not making the tough people decisions quickly enough. You know, I can be soft sometimes. <laughs> it's just one of those things. I like to give people a chance. But in hindsight, every single time I've known and I've connected, and it's always been not because of their fault, it's been because the business has gone to a different position. And actually what the business needs at that point in time is not what that person can deliver. Good to give them a chance. But as soon as you know that and you'll feel it, you'll feel it probably in your heart, actually, then that's the time. Okay. So there's a lot of different things in there. But as I said beforehand, leading and managing as you scale, that shift to leadership, making those tough calls is absolutely critical. And if you're struggling with that, you know, find someone, a mentor who is in your niche or industry, who's gone through that journey a few steps ahead of you and get them to help you with it. You know, sometimes it's hard and I found this hard myself just to, you know, bounce these ideas off because they start to become quite emotional decisions as much as they are rational. So you need to have a little bit of help and support with that. Okay, so moving on to um, making yourself redundant. Now, this is, this is really what I mean by this is this is the working in the business versus working on the business. So you've got to, as I said, is this your goal? Is this your goal? Do you want to be this? Now, for me personally, it is. So I, you know, I'm, I'm looking to be more of a sort of owner investor in the businesses and then having really, really strong integrators, you know, managers, operations people who can really get in there and drive these businesses. And the reason for that is because I'm just not very good at that stuff. Um, I'm much better being strategic and being more visionary. That's kind of, you know, what I enjoy doing and what my skill set is. So much better to have people who can be more detailed and be more sort of on it on the day-to-day basis running businesses for me. So there is actually a little bit of a pathway of how you do this though. So if this is something that you want to have happen in the future for you, then you've got to ask the question who you are. 
So you've got, there's, there's kind of three different roles here. Um, as, as, as I sort of term, you've got someone who's like the artist, that's the creative. Depending on your business, there's always someone who creates the thing that's solving the problem for your customers. Sometimes they're a product person, a CTO, whatever, but they, they, they're, they're crafting the proposition from you know, a solutions perspective. Okay, so you've got that sort of person. Usually that is the the CEO founder entrepreneur. But as I get into this, you understand the differences. Then you have what I call the absolute classic chaotic entrepreneur. Yeah, they're the ones who are just massively passionate, vision, 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 mission, mission, mission all the time. And you need those because in many cases, if you're, say you're a rocket ship, these are, this is the ignition. <laughs> this is the thing that gets you going. And I've worked with a few businesses where there's three founders and there's one who is that role. And I can tell you now, the other two in, you know, in that business, uh, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way they would have started had they have not had that person driving. So that's a kind of classic entrepreneur. And then you have the leader or the manager, manager leader. As I said, it's a bit of a transition between those two things. And that's the person who is absolutely going to be running the day-to-day for you. So you've got to ask your question who you are. And as you do that, and let's say you decide that, you know, I don't want the business just to be about me. I do want to, at some point, be able to step away, set it up and step away. Then the first thing I, again, advise is find and create your culture early. So you may think that's a bit weird if it's one, two or three of you, but it sets the tone for everything going forward. And a lot of people who have got businesses, certainly performance businesses that I work with, they always say to me, I wish I'd done that earlier. And I go, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, if you've got your mission clear, your values are clear, you know what sort of community you want to create in your business, because you're thinking about it from a customer perspective as much as you are sort of, you know, how you're going to build a team, then create your culture early. Because culture, you know, as a great definition is, it's what happens when you're not there. Yeah, it's the choices that people make and decisions because they already know what the company stands for and the company and its mission is greater than you are. Okay. And, you know, another sort of point around that is your words become your actions, becomes your attitude, and it becomes, in some cases, the heart and soul of the business. Yeah. So first and foremost, start to think those things through. And, you know, again, a really quick tip, how do you create values? Go and look at companies that you admire and you'll find their values all over their website and just see if it lands. You know, just start to play around with it. You don't need many of them. I always say three to five max, but they need to define the intent of what you're trying to do from the customer perspective. But they also become the intent of how you hire, how you fire, how you incentivize everything. So that's the first part. Second part is you've got to start to create systems and processes. Yeah. Now, systems and processes are just crucial. And again, I'll spend a whole episode on this soon. But what you want to do is you want to create what is more or less a machine. Yeah, so people know exactly how they work together, all the roles fit. You can start to look at measures and metrics, which I'll get into a second. But all of these things are critical. And these, these sort of systems and processes are driven by the fact that people can be unpredictable if they don't have the right direction and the right understanding of what they're there to do. But they can be massively, massively um, aligned when processes are put around that. And that doesn't mean micromanaging someone. That's the worst thing you can do. What it does mean is setting the parameters of what the role is 
and then having some very key performance measures within that role so that someone knows whether they're performing well or not and you know if they're performing well or not. Okay. And then it comes back to, I think, you know, how do you, so you've, you know, you've spent time, you know, bringing the right people in, you've thought about aptitude, you've thought about attitude, you've got your culture, you've got some systems and processes and some very simplified understanding of where everyone fits, you know, right roles, right seats. How do you keep that moving? Well, one of the things I believe is really crucial is you've got to measure everything. So the last point, the last of these sort of five areas is performance management of both people and business. And how do you get the most out of those things? So metrics are crucial. Um, you know, the, the famous saying, you get what you measure is absolutely true. And if you gain, if you have this intention of being a owner investor, the only way you can do that is by having really clear metrics that you review daily and weekly. So you work out what these key results are, KPIs, performance indicators. Yes, there's revenue. Yes, there's cash. But you also want to see how teams are operating. If someone's sole job is to bring in X number of leads or grow your reach through um, personal brand and its followers and its likes and its shares, you've got to systemize all of those things. So these sort of points four and five, making yourself redundant, is driven a lot by point five, which is this performance management. How do you measure the impact of your business? And again, you know, I've struggled from this in the past when I've had early stage businesses where I've just kind of looked at a couple of basic metrics. So how many customers have I got? When are they paying me? Um, what's happening with marketing? All that sort of thing. These days, I, I'm much more granular, and that granularity frees me up. It actually also frees up my managers, and actually frees up the people who are in the business because there's no ambiguity. They know exactly what they're there to do, and then you get into you know some of the fun stuff, which is how do you get the most out of these people? Well, if they know what they're there to do and they're actually bought into the mission and they can see if they're adding value or not because of these results, you can start to play around with you know, incentives. Um, my most sort of, I think the most powerful way to get the most out of people is you know, develop them, give them skills that they can take somewhere else if they're not going to be with you for the full journey, which is absolutely fine. But once you've got these things in place and you can actually see how the business is operating, then you know you've really got something which is going to scale quickly, really quickly. And so you know the concept of this podcast, scale up your business, is is underpinned very much by, I suppose, the broad subject of what we're discussing today, which is how you start to leverage skills and capability and start to drive growth through you know this concept of leadership and building great teams. So again, lots there today. I was going to sort of kick off and say, this is a short podcast and we'll get into it, but actually it's not because if you think about it, you know, the need to build a great team, how you go about it, sort of thinking about how it changes and transitions as you scale. And that's, that's probably the crux that you really need to think through. Then allows you to sort of take yourself out from the day-to-day operations. And the way to get yourself out of the day-to-day operations is to have a business that runs like a machine. And if you can get all those things working in a sort of, you know, relatively congruent way, then you can really start to think of some of those bigger echelons of what sort of business it is. So, you know, again, I said at the beginning, you may want to create a lifestyle business. Cool. But a lot of times when people have a business performing, as I said, they get very excited about it and they want to think about what's next. That's either, usually, it can be an exit where they, you know, you get a a capital event, as I call it, make some money. Sometimes you might buy other businesses, etc. You know, your choice. But it all starts with some of the fundamentals and foundations that I've covered um, in today's episode. 
So thank you very much. As I've said before, reach out to me um, if you want me to go deeper into any of these areas. This is a real sort of you know, light touch across lots of different areas, which can be quite complex. Please reach out to me. I had um, Neil uh, contact me this week. Um, he had some fantastic questions about how he's trying to scale his business and you know some marketing things. So he reached out to me on LinkedIn, jumped on a call with him for sort of 20, 30 minutes. Absolutely happy to do that. So please, if there's anything in here which you think has struck a chord today, reach out to me, send me a message, any of those things. And I said, I'm always happy to to help. Um, So that's it. So as always, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now. Oh, 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 oh,